This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I ask that you would turn with me to the book of Acts. The day of Pentecost is a day that is recognized as the day that the promised Holy Spirit came to the disciples. We celebrate the day of Pentecost 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus walked the earth for 40 days, and then some 10 days after, we see the, the Spirit come to the disciples. Pentecost Sunday is a day that the church truly saw its beginning. It was a day when thousands of people came to know Jesus. It was the experience that the disciples needed to be empowered to do miracles to do healings. It was the very divine nature and power of God colliding with humanity. We need another Pentecost. Amen? So for the next few weeks, I'm going to just walk through and talk about this. And I tried to Come up with some catchy something, I don't know, to call it the series. I don't really have a name for the series, but the idea I want to talk to you about today is the recipe for Pentecost. The recipe for Pentecost, I believe there's five ingredients that are seen, and there's more, but I want to talk about five ingredients that are required in order for Pentecost to take place. And so we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, verses 1 through 4, said, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And then suddenly a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind came, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And divided fire as of tongues sat on each one of them or rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen? To imagine what it would have been like that day to be sitting in that room. Um, they're just hanging out there. They've waited, and, and Jesus ha- has promised. He said, go and stay in Jerusalem and wait and, and hang out there for a while. And your word says that there was about 120 there, and, and they're there. And I can just imagine on a day, maybe something like we see today, all of a sudden, whoo, begin to roll through the room and and the wind begin to blow and then all of a sudden they thought the building's on fire but the building's not actually on fire. They are themselves on fire. I can't, can you imagine that? What would that have been like to sit in that, I mean, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall and just had my little hair singed just a little bit by the fire that was burning on them. I would have loved to have just, just got a little glimpse of what that would have been like that day to be on the, just to be a fly on the wall 
on the day that the wind and the, the fire filled the room. But it wasn't just about that day. There were some things that had led up to that day. So the five ingredients are found in this first part of Acts. More so in Acts chapter 1 that led to Pentecost. First of all, the first ingredient that must be present for Pentecost to take place is obedience. Obedience. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and Peter and John, James, Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They went. They returned to Jerusalem. They did what they were told to do. Some of this will be repetitive because some of it is in the same verses. Luke has written the Acts to the Apostles, and he follows up in his actual Gospel of Luke. And at the end of Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses uh, 24 and 49, says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And then Acts 1, 1, 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. They've been, uh, Jesus has been crucified. The, the disciples are being, they're, they're being mocked. They're being talked about. They're, they're ready. They're, why would we stay together? I mean, as if it, it's as if somebody came in here and said, hey, don't come back here anymore. Well, chances are we would find somewhere else to go. We wouldn't probably come back, right? We, we're not going to forsake gathering together but we might not do it in this very room. Why did they not scatter? Why did they not go? Why Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and stay there and wait. And what do we find in the first part of Acts? They went back to Jerusalem and they waited. Obedience equals faithfulness. Obedience equals faithfulness. Jesus himself was obedient. As he's in the garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, is recording this. And it says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Obedience to the will of God is necessary in order for Pentecost to take place. It had to be there. There was no way around it. Had they not been there, had they not listened to Jesus, had they not showed up, I don't know that the Holy Spirit would have ever been there the way that it was. They had to be obedient. They had to wait it out. They had to do what they were supposed to do. Jesus himself said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He's calling us to obedience. He's calling the disciples to obedience. They were told to stay, and they stayed when everything was in uproar, and they could have scattered. They stayed. They were in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. They were obedient to Jesus. Obedience is necessary for Pentecost. You agree? Number two is prayer. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together with women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, devoting themselves to prayer. 
They're there waiting. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They've been obedient. And while they're there, what are they doing? They're praying. I'm guilty in my life. We can talk about me because I don't want to talk about you. I don't always feel like praying when I'm having to walk in obedience. Those are the hard times, actually, to pray. Because when God's instructed me to do something or to be at a place, a season in my walk with Him, when He has given instruction and I'm having to follow out those instructions, typically it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way and it's against my grain because that's how God likes to work. And in those seasons, I don't much really have a whole lot to say to God other than, really? This is what you got right now for me in this but yet, even in that, as they're waiting, they're, they're avoiding the persecution, they're dealing with all of this, and, and even in that, they're devoting themselves to prayer. And you know Jesus' model of prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray like this then, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a worship part of this. There is a protection part of this. There's a provision part of this. There is a, a, a asking for God's will to be done in this prayer Jesus is teaching. And then he gives the assurance, whatever you ask in my name, in John chapter 14. This I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask anything. In my name, I will do it. Paul had his opinion on prayer in Ephesians. He told the church at Ephesus, pray all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Then to the church at Philippi in chapter 4, verse 6, he said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In order for Pentecost to take place, there had to have been obedience and there had to have been prayer. They were devoting themselves to prayer. And I kind of thought about this in some way of maybe I was making a cake. I don't know. You make whatever you want to bake. The best spirit-filled cake you've ever had. Obedience and prayer. And then the third one is one I'm terrible at. There had to have been patience. <laughs> Somebody said, mm. I struggle with patience. Mitchell's not a content dude. I struggle with patience. Typically what I'm waiting for, I know is coming. Right? I just don't like to wait for it. I don't like to sit at a restaurant and wait 45 minutes for a meal. I know I'm going to get it, but I don't like it, right? For the first time in my entire life, I waited to put gas in a vehicle this past week. I pulled away from three gas stations because I was not going to wait. I'll run out. I ain't waiting. And finally, there's one car in front of me, and I'll wait for that one. 
I'm impatient. You know why I pulled off? I had pretty good assurance that I'd find gas somewhere else I wouldn't have to wait for. In Kenley yesterday, I pulled right up to the truck stop and pulled right up to the pump. Pumped all I wanted, all I needed, and pulled right off. I had a pretty good confidence that I was going to get gas at some point in time over the course of the weekend. But that's not the same with these disciples. Because Jesus has died, which totally rocked their world. And then he showed back up alive, which (laughs) turned it upside down. And then he's walking and talking, giving instruction. And they're all excited. He said, hey, I got to go, but I'm going to send you my spirit. And 40 days later, he takes off into the clouds. He says, but go wait. Go wait. How long? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Go wait. What am I waiting for? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power. What does that even mean? I don't know. Just go wait. There's not answers to these questions. All they were told to do was go wait. When I'm waiting... At the gas station, (laughs) I'm confident that gas is going to be at the pump when I make it there, and I'm going to put gas in my car. That's why I wait. When I order a meal at a restaurant, I'm confident they've got the food, and they're going to deliver what I paid for. That's why I wait. However, when God said, go to Jerusalem and find your place, go to the upper room and wait Who in the world knew how long they were going to have to wait, what they're waiting for? They were just told to wait. Mitchell doesn't have that kind of patience. That's a struggle. I think it's all a struggle. Not just for me, but for you too, probably. promises is that the blessing is going to come through and God's going to make sure that the provision's there and make sure everything's taken care of. Well, when? How? I don't know. Just wait. That's hard. Waiting for our kids to, to, to get their head on straight and figure out that Jesus loves them and if they don't live right, they're going to burn in the bad place. Get, getting to that place. How long is that going to take? What can be said to make the difference? I don't know. Just wait. Waiting's hard. Waiting was an ingredient to Pentecost. Because when the day of Pentecost arrived, 50 days after resurrection, that's when the Holy Spirit showed up. I don't like waiting an hour for something that I know is coming. More or less, 50 days just on a promise. James says it like this in chapter 5, verse 7. He said, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Jacob said in Genesis 49, 18, I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Isaiah said, 
those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Doesn't that sound like the baptism of the Holy Spirit to you? That as they waited on the Lord, there was a strength that come upon them. There was some supernatural power that come upon them. And it says that they shall rest on and their wings should rest. They'll be like eagles and they should soar and then they should run and not grow weary. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit was for? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Patience. Number four. The fourth ingredient to this is the gathering. Because Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I'm worried. You looked around lately? I talk to pastors regularly. Something's happened. We gave people an excuse. I don't mishear my heart. Some people don't need to come to the house. Maybe they need to stay home. That's not what I'm talking about. We've given, we, we've given people an opportunity to find another way to fill their Sunday. And we've seen this great shaking where those that are rooted in Christ have been rooted deeper. And those that were kind of shallow have blown away. That's scary. Because the day that Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. They waited. They endured. They were, they were obedient. Devoted to prayer. I'm concerned. Occasionally it keeps me up at night. Finally I had to, to let go of some of the struggle. Because it's easy to take it personal, honestly, which isn't true. It's, it's not, I don't believe that's right, but it's easy to do that. We need to pray for people to gather again. Because we need each other. We need those that are not filling these empty seats. And they need us. And we all need each other in one in Jesus. How do we fix it? What do we do? We've created the lie. The devil has used this to create the biggest lie that gathering isn't important. 
That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together as some have been in the habit of doing. But instead, encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So two or three brings Jesus in. But can you imagine what a full house does? It's just a different energy. I'm just... They were gathered. They had been promised the Spirit to come, and they had been waiting for weeks. But they were gathered together. We need gathering. Amen? Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering. If you see an empty seat beside you and you know who's supposed to be in that seat, maybe this week you want to reach out and say, hey, I need you to be at church with me Sunday. I miss you. I need you. Fifthly, the last thing, the last ingredient that was noticed is unity. When we get four people in the car together, and we ride down the road and say, what's for supper? Typically, we get at least three, if not four different answers. If it's three, it's because Micah's answer is, I don't care. Right? If I cook supper, somebody don't want what I've cooked. And there's only four of us. So how did 120 people Managed to get of one mind and of one accord, one purpose, one desire. How, how were they unified to the point where they were able to receive this divine, this divine connection and power from God? Four people in my house can't agree. <laughs> but 120 people stayed in that room waiting patiently in obedience and faithfulness. Devoted to prayer. Gathered together. Well, it's because they weren't trying to decide what to eat for dinner. They had something a lot more important on their mind. Matter of fact, I'm not talking about our church because we don't struggle. I'm just talking about the general consensus. They weren't trying to figure out the color of the pews or the color of the carpet or the color that the wall should be or whether there should be TVs on the wall or not. They weren't worried about those kind of things. There was something much more important about to take place. Why? Why could something so simple bring division when something so huge should bring unity? We're all different. We all have different thoughts. We have all different ways of saying things and doing things. I have no doubt whatsoever I've said something today that somebody didn't like. It just it wasn't quite exactly the way you would have said it. And that's okay. 
because in the grand scheme, the grand picture, there's something a whole lot bigger than what I have said. And over and over in Scripture, Paul talked about this so much. He was talking to the church at Corinth, and he said in 1 Corinthians verse one, or chapter 1, verse 10, he said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. Lord, have mercy. Has he met most of us? How do we agree? Well, I just told you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that there be no divisions among you and that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then to the Galatia church, he said in, in chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor is there slave nor free, nor male or female. Things that should bring division no longer bring division anymore. You're unified. And then to the church of Philippi in chapter 2, verse 2, he said, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. How does that kind of unity take place? Well, we go back to where we started this whole thought process at the beginning of the year. It's by not trying to focus on the seen, but agreeing on the unseen. We will always disagree on the scene. Always. I mean, I was with a group of people yesterday at Teen Talent, and there were things all day long I did not agree with. I didn't like it. But it didn't matter. <laughs> but I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I heard. I, di I didn't like what I thought should have been different. Always. Always. We will disagree on what's seen. So how do we bring that kind of unity? By finding the one thing that is unseen and striving. That is the bit. It doesn't matter at anything else. Nothing I see matters. If I die trying to, to grasp hold of the unseen, if I die trying to have the fullness of the power of God in my life, then I die trying. But the scene doesn't matter. It's the unseen. What did it take for Pentecost? Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. This is a foundational conversation. I get that it's informational I want to build on it next week this is what I see in scripture and I hope that I've shown you exactly how I see it that these are five key ingredients that must be in place they had to be there in order for Pentecost to come and I want another Pentecost amen on the day that we celebrate Pentecost next Sunday, 
I want another Pentecost. Could you imagine? Man, I'd love to change these windows because the Holy Spirit blew them out as he was filling the house with a wind. Wouldn't that be amazing? And all of a sudden, through these concrete brick, plaster hard as, don't try to put anything in the wall. Hard, hard walls. That somebody way down the street would begin to hear that the love of Jesus proclaimed in their own way, in their own language. Maybe it's English, but in their own way they can understand that the grace of God would fill this whole area because something sparked, something ignited in this house. That's what took place on that day. It, I mean, I, I love being Pentecostal, and I'm 100% to the core. And I believe that they probably did jump up and shout around a little bit when the wind started to blow and the fire came and sat on each one of them, but it was immediately what took place afterward. Thousands of people came to know Jesus. We need another Pentecost. And if these five ingredients brought Pentecost to those 120 disciples, I believe that those same five ingredients will bring a fresh outpouring and a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life and on my life and on this community and on the community surrounding. I believe on this whole nation I believe we could see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with those five ingredients, obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. You realize we struggle with all five in our culture? Nobody wants to be obedient. I see more people run a red light now than I've ever in my whole life. They do it just because they can. Who's going to stop them? I want to challenge you this week that we would pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct us to those five ingredients. It starts with you personally. It starts with the individual. And then we come back together and gather. Then we as a body individually have done what we're supposed to do. And then as a body we come together. That's a bunch of hot embers. You can't help but have fire. Obedience, prayer, patience, gathering, and unity. If you need something to focus on, what are we going to be unified on? Seeking the power of God for your life and for this house. That's it. It ain't got to be complicated. Don't make it on overcomplicated. We just simply want the fullness of God. Think on that all week long. The fullness of God, the fullness of God, the fullness of God. God, give us your fullness. And if you think on that and I think on that, hey, we're unified. Regardless of what we think or feel or see. We found a common ground and we're unified. Lord, God, this simple word today was just that simple 
I recognize it was nothing nothing elaborate, nothing deep. It was just simply finding the ingredients to what brought Pentecost. Lord, we did not discuss the one major part of all this, which was your promise to send your spirit. God, but that promise is eternal, and if you promise that then, that promise remains today. And I believe if we get these other five elements, these other five pieces of the puzzle put together, these other ingredients whipped up, Father, then we can whip, we can whip up and we can bake this amazing Holy Ghost filled cake where, where Pentecost would fall and the house would be filled, God, and we could see amazing things take place by the power of your Spirit. God, it requires something on our part. Those disciples had to listen and be obedient to you. When they were obedient, they devoted themselves to prayer. They weren't focused on anything else. They weren't worried about anything else. They devoted themselves to prayer. They waited patiently, God, not knowing how long it would take, not knowing really what was even going to happen. They waited patiently for your spirit. They were gathered together in unity. Holy Spirit, we want an outpouring, a fresh anointing, a fresh feeling, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit on our life. Father, I pray that as we struggle with obedience, Father, forgive us. Maybe we've not been faithful. Maybe we've walked out of the faithfulness of your love. Maybe we're not doing what it is that you've actually put in our heart to do. God, forgive us for that. God, in this week, change us and, and transform us so that we begin to walk out in obedience. God, maybe we're not devoted to prayer. Maybe it's our struggle. It's not easy for us to communicate with you. God, give us a burden and a burning desire to communicate with you. God, let us be devoted. It doesn't mean it feels good. It doesn't mean that we even want to in the moment, but yet we're devoted, we're committed to prayer. God, as we patiently wait, Give us hope and give us confidence. Lord, your word is true. Your word's going to stand. And we wait for your spirit, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it sounds like, God. We wait for a move. Lord, as your word says, let us not forsake gathering together. Some people have gotten the habit of doing, but instead, let us encourage one another all the more as the day draws near. The day of your return. God, I pray for a burden on each one of our hearts this week that as, as we look around and we realize that there's people missing as, as, that are part of this family, God, let us find some way to connect with them. Let us find some way to bring them into the house. God, we need them. It's not all about them. It's not that they need to be here. We need each other. God, let us be unified this week. Let us strive for a heart and a mind, a purpose of unity. Lord, that we're striving for your fullness and your power. We need your power in our life. Holy Spirit, fill us in a special way. Let us receive power as you come upon us. God, I pray that as we walk through this week, preparing for next Sunday, a day of Pentecost, a day celebrated as the day where your Spirit descended to your people, God, I pray that we be committed and devoted to these five ingredients. 
We're believing wholeheartedly that we can see another Pentecost. Father, I thank you for everyone in the house today, everybody listening online. I thank you for an opportunity again to deliver your word, to be in your house, to worship your name, your great name, God. Father, I pray you bless your people, that you keep them. God, give them grace, let your face shine on them, give them peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.